you Yeah, yo There whenever it matters and even more when you feel like it doesn't Protect you so you never feel like you wasn't Know I'm right alongside you, here by that I'm behind you But always got you, end the discussion, nothing means more First one to offer his shoulders for what you preach for Thought I saw the eyes of the world until I seen yours And know that I ain't see a better view yet I'm with whatever, so don't ever you fret Know that you covered, not a hurdle or a heartbreak To change what a partake Cause none of them won't ever get comfortable in your walkway My job is to aware you, fully loaded Prepare you for all of the above that I'm never letting get near you. But still, I know, give you every advantage I found. Couldn't find a better fit for them, along with my crown. And since the baton was passed, hopping down, cause feeling's not an option, and dad is not a noun, not at all. Very rarely did, does uh, Hustlers Convention get mentioned in the annals of, you know, what emerged from it. It was a full moon in the middle of June. In the summer of 59, I was young and cool and shot a bad game of pool and hustled all the chumps I could find. To gather around young people while I balance the scales on the roots of rap and the ancient tales. If you don't know the roots from the trunk of the tree, you won't know the branch and what the fruit will be. You got to first understand the surrounding mystery of rap in relationship to so-called history. History is distorted, so it ain't all there. So let's examine the truth so we can clear the air. The grandfather of rap. It's a cornerstone in the development of what is now a part of global culture. So I thought I'd nonchalantly mention the Hustlers Convention taking place. Once people see that piece for what it actually was meant to be, is timeless. It helped the guys who actually, actually made it. It helped me. On the subway. The last poet's name is up here on the Apollo, the standing ovation. We was the voice of the people in the streets. Boom, 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 boom. We want freedom. That was the last poet's. What has remained and what has changed? Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for the last poet's. I always give him credit for being the major blueprint for what we call hip-hop today. Because all we had was the music, and in the music was our hope. Not only was it our hope, it was part of our communication. Okay? I mean, he's probably one of the greatest rhyme poets in, in, in history. It had cost me 12 years of my time to realize what a nickel and dime hustler I had really been. While the real hustlers were ripping off billions from the unsuspecting millions who are programmed to think they can win. sort of this rapping form if you will and this 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 joint here this project this full-length album if you will hustlers convention actually came out um 
like I think I, I want to say the early seventies, late sixties, early seventies, yeah. and, and and the whole joint just explores uh, the lifestyle of a street hustler, and it it really is a story, man, and it's it's just rapping over 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 instrumentals, jazzy instrumentals, and it's it's dope. So that the actual documentary that's out explores that project. And then also explores the life of Lightning Rod, a.k.a. Jalal, and then also gets into um, his uh, involvement with the last poets and then even the uh, the impact of the last poets on just the world. So so it really is awesome. So we're going to have a chance to speak with uh, Quinnell Jones, who is actually the. the director of photography as well as the producer of the Hustlers Convention documentary. And um, I think actually in Harlem, they're actually playing it sometime in July. And what we'll do is we'll get that information up on uh, on a Facebook fan page for you guys to check out. But um, they are debuting it in Harlem. I mean, not debuting it, but showing it in Harlem uh, fairly soon uh, in Harlem. So, for those people that are in New York City, we encourage you to check it out. But this is what I want to do. Um, I'm thinking maybe let's explore some of the Hustlers convention right now, man. Yeah, man. Why not, man? You know? Dope album. Yeah. Yeah, yeah let, let's explore some of it. So so check this out, y'all. And, and uh, you know, it really is a dope tale. And we talk about, um, you know, listening to these sort of the, the, this um, trap music and, um, you know, gangster rap is what they classify it as and and street rap and all of that and this stuff is not new man this shit is not new we revere this stuff now as 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 good music arguably um but the truth is is that it's not new man it was influenced whether people are aware of it or not all of that shit came from this and then even around the same time just in Uh in a in a book format we talk about Donald Goins and Iceberg Slim. This yeah. shit here is the actual rap version of what Donald Goins and Iceberg Slim were doing back then. So let's check it out, y'all. You just entered TCOHHL exclusive zone. Turn your radio up and let this shit knock. Playing hooky from school At the tender age of nine 
And by the time I was 11, I could pad roll seven and down me a whole quarter wine. I was making it a point to smoke me a joint at least once during the course of a day. And I was snorting scab while other kids played tag. And my elders went to church to pray. I pitched pennies and down bennies and played the horses at the track. I wanted cards against tremendous odds, and my favorite game was blackjack. I sold the laws, cause my game was so boss. I mean, I had my shit down pat, and I was running through bitches like rags to riches, cause that's where my heart was at. Yes, I was a down studs dream, a hustler supreme. There wasn't no game that I couldn't play. And if I caught a dude cheating, I would give him a beating, and I might even blow him away. And my ace, Boom Poon, was a young boy named Spoon, my crime partner from the block. He had served a bullet and a deuce, and now they were cutting him loose from the joint they called a rock. We had hung out as kids, serving alternate bids in various reform schools and jails. And he was like my kid brother, and we had helped one another till he was busted for some stolen good sales. When he finally came back on the scene, his wardrobe was lean, so I bought him some vines of his own. And then we lit up some smoke and snorted some coke, and I dug how the brother had grown. He was bigger and meaner, and his mind was more keener, and he had earned the rep with his hands. Plus, he was eager to compete with the hustlers on the street for my man at ambitious plans. And I lent him a yard, copped him a rod, a 38 blue steel piece. Then we split to the cafe Black Rose to party with some hoes, and for dinner we ordered a feast. Just about everybody goes to the Cafe Black Rose to drink, party, and eat. And if you ain't down, you better not hang around, else you sure as hell will get beat. The grease is nice and at a decent price, and all the bitches is fine. The jazz is so sweet, you'll be patting your feet while sipping on a cold glass of wine. You can cop your bag of reefer skag and even some coke or some hash. But don't ask for no credit or they'll tell you forget it. Cause hustlers only deal in cold cash. We had just finished greasing when the bitches started teasing for us to split and lay. Spoon's cunt collar was tight, which is understandably right after serving three years in a day. We about ready to split when I dug brother Harmony Grit, a runner from the south side of town. He was coming our way, so I figured we'd lay and hear about the happenings going down. Brother Britt was hip to all kinds of shit. I mean, there wasn't nothing he didn't know. He knew every hustler's name, including his game, and who did or didn't keep dough. We traded jive and slapped each other five. As Spoon silently checked him out, he had heard that Spoon was my ace boom poon, so he knew what our hustles was about. He was his usual self, sporting his wealth, clean from head to toe. He was dressed pressed down in a pinstripe brown, and his pocket was bulging with dough. 
You're tuned in to the Chronicles of a Hip-Hop Legend radio show on TenacityRadio.com. Touch that dial and it's underwear, elastic waist ripping wedgie time. Stay tuned, sucker. This is Feedback. Ow, ow, I've got some news you dudes could use that might help y'all get by. So I thought I'd nonchalantly mention the Hustlers convention taking place at the end of July. It'll be at Ham Hogs Hall, winner take all, no need the best can play. Cost you ten grand to get in, but you must continue to win or you won't be allowed to stay. There'll be money for the making, bitches for the taking, and all you can shoot, snort, smoke, or drink. And a whole lot of lames will fall victim to the games, cause only true hustlers can think. Gonna be hustlers galore, trying to score, traveling by land, sea, and air. There'll be a coming to play from New York and L.A. and other points distant and near. They'll start to arrive around 11.55 at number 66 Snake Eyes Square. Won't be no cops on this beat. They've been paid off real sweet. Why, even the mad and cop the Michelle. Now, I'm going to be in charge of the security men at large that'll be surveilling the flow. And when the shit hit the fan, just squeeze the palm of my hand. Now let y'all slip out the dough. Just give me 20% of each earned brand from either you or your man. Subtracted from your total net. And the words telephone for you will be y'all's cue to start easing from out of the set. Well, that's about it, Jim. It's time for me to split now. Y'all can school me in a week or two. Sport, you should make it a bet to land on the set. Let Spoon make us a hustler's debut. Grit had our hits spinning, just thinking about winning. But we maintain a silence there. The main hustle goal is don't blow your cool. So we acted like we didn't care. But I knew this was it as I watched Grit split, contemplating what all this meant. Well, I had saved my money like a beast or his honey, just laying to make this event. Spoon let me know that he was ready to go, so we added up and split. We went to a Southside hotel called the Fires of Hell and proceeded to cop a little bit. When I finally came to, I was all black and blue And one of my legs was in a sling I was handcuffed at the wrist And on the critical list In the prison ward hospital wing Seems they had blown a hole through my chest That almost laid me to rest And put knots all upside my head I was gagging and choking And my right leg was broken And it was just a miracle that I wasn't dead I was sentenced to the chair And shipped to Sing Sing from there Where I spent the next 12 years on death row but I kept on copping the stage till the death penalty was done away. And after retrial, they finally let me go. It had cost me 12 years of my time to realize what a nickel and dime hustler I had really been. While the real hustlers were ripping off billions from the unsuspecting millions who are programmed to think they can win. But fortunately, I had escaped from the deathly fate of being fried alive in the chair. Cause in my solitude, I found I was really going down. You see, 
had learned the whole truth while I was dead. So if y'all will, we've just uh, played for you, you know, a couple of joints off that Hustlers Convention um, yeah, joint uh, yeah. by by the legendary Lightning Rod, aka Jalal. Um, mm-hmm. And and if you, as you could tell, it's crazy, right? Because there's a parallel between some of the stories that he's telling back then to what we're hearing in in rap music now particularly the the street joints right like yeah, yeah you know you hear these these drug tales you hear you know these um these these street ex- exploits if you will but one of the things that i i tend to find um that doesn't parallel um from from what we hear now compared to what uh, Jalal was doing back then is the uh is the cautionary side of it Right. So yeah. he paints this very vivid picture about, you know, the ins and outs of street life life. And, and, and I really encourage people um, like stats. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the full thing yet, but I've had a chance to listen to the entire joint. And it really is, um, you know, a complete depiction of the ins and outs of street life, I guess, as told back then. But nonetheless, yeah. you hear the ups and downs. And then uh, what we just played, the final joint was, you know, where it all ended up at or, and how this these sort of street exploits culminate. So you, you hear, you know, this, uh, this this street hustler ending up in prison and and doing 12 years in uh, in in the can, man. You know, like he says, well, you know, if that's, yeah. you know, I might yeah. be fucking that up. But, you know, but anyway, like. Definitely check it out, man. It's it's worth it. And then what happens is you 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 hear Jalal, uh, you know, if you follow this career and he starts, he makes that transition into the last poets. And then for everybody, if you a hip hop fan, if you call yourself a hip hop fan and you you really live this culture, you should know the significance of the last poets. And if you don't know the significance of the last poets, this is what we say to you. Who the fuck is this asshole? You got to get your shit together. <laughs> yeah, man. Get you, it together. You got to absolutely get it together or we will be saying. Who the fuck is this asshole? So get it together. But um, so what what I want to do is just real quick, man, before we get, uh, you know, Quinnell on and we go, on, go into the interview with him. Um, let me uh, let's let's just listen to this. This joint by the last poets, because this joint here is crazy, yo. Absolutely crazy. We'll be right back. Y'all check this out. Let's go. Selfish desires are burning like fires among those who hoard the gold. As they continue to keep the people asleep and the truth from being told. A racism and greed are keep the people in need from getting what's rightfully theirs. Cheating, stealing, and double dealing as they exploit the people's fears. And now Dow Jones owns the people's homes and all the surrounding land. Buying and selling at their humble dwelling In the name of the master plan Cause paper money is like a bee without honey With no stinger to back him up And those who stole the people's gold Are definitely corrupt 
Credit cards, master charge, legacies of wills, real estate, stocks and bonds on coupons, paper bills. Now the U.S. mints on paper prints, millions every day. And use the eagle for their symbol, cause it's a bird of prey. Now the laws of peace and the owls of wars are clutched very tightly in the eagle's claws, filled with greed and lust. And on the back of the dollar bill is the words in God we trust. But the dollar bill is the only God, and they don't even trust each other. And for a few dollars more, they'd start a war to exploit some brother's mother. Then there's the pyramid that stands by itself, created by black people's knowledge and wealth. And over the pyramid hangs the devil's eye that stole from the truth and created the lie. Now I knew it means an endless amount stolen over the years. And Coepis means a new empire of vampire millionaires. And Novus is a Latin word meaning something new. And Ordo means a way of life chosen by a few. Seclorum is a word that means to take from another Knowledge, wisdom, and understanding Stolen from the brother A Roman numerals on the base of the pyramid's face Tell a date they began to exist When they established this branch of hell in 1776 Now there are 13 layers of stone on the pyramid alone An unfinished work of art For 33 and a third is how the mason can go Without Falling apart. 13 stars in the original flag. 13 demons from the devil's bag. 13 berries and 13 leaves. 13 colonies of land grabbing thieves. 13 owls in the eagle's claws. 67 corporations wage the devil's wars. 13 stripes on the eagle's shield. And these are the symbols on the U.S. seal. Now, on the front of the dollar bill to the right of Washington's head. Is a small seal in the shape of a wheel with a secret that's been left unsaid. The symbols in the middle represent the riddle of the scales, the ruler, and the key. The square rule is a symbol from the craft of masonry. The scales represent Libra, the balance of the seventh sign. They also represent the just us, which you and I know is blind. The key unlocks the mysteries of the secrets of the seal. So that only the governed human would know what they reveal. The four words above form the last parts of the secrets of the seal. And tells how they fooled the people into thinking paper money was real. Now Thesar means the treasury where they store the gold they stole. And Amur means to punish like the slaves they bought and sold. But then Septent means seven like a 1776. Uh, when the 13 devils gathered uh, to unleash their bag of tricks. Uh, then sigil uh, means the images they've created to fool the world. Uh, like the colors on old glory, the flag that they unfurl. Uh, now red's for the color of the Indian man. White's for the devils who stole the land. Blue's for the eyes that hypnotize with the tricks and traps they sprung. And even to this very same day, they all speak with forked tongue. And so the power's in the hands of the ruling classes Playing God with the fate of all the masses So the people don't get any in the land of the plenty Cause E Pluribus Unum means one out of Welcome back to the Chronicles of a Hip Hop Legend radio show We 
we certainly appreciate you guys uh you know hanging in there with us um you know this evening as we had said previously we have a, a special guest with us tonight and um yeah yeah i'd be remiss if i didn't mention that this that what this brother is doing is absolutely integral to 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 just uh building upon and then also truly truly understanding the the history of hip-hop culture um so for all of us that are in the know about hip-hop culture we know that uh hip-hop started out as this sort of desire to be able to speak about um social inequality that was happening uh primarily or, or initially uh in the south bronx of new york city um, or just in the yeah in the South Bronx in New York City, and then that started to 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 fan out and and bring awareness to other inner city neighborhoods that were within New York City in the five boroughs, and then uh, subsequently that would just spread nationally uh, to the point of um, just bringing awareness to <laughs> to uh, just social inequalities and and uh, the issues that were uh, occurring within inner city neighborhoods across the country and then you know even beyond that the world um and we know that the voice of these folks early on in hip-hop culture um you know it it, it sort of came from this desire to to leave the gang culture alone and be able to uh you know achieve some level of of that positive balance among you know between all of the gangs in new york city um by just initiating and or, or bringing forth this culture that would allow it to do so and then the mantra of that culture um would be peace love unity and having fun um but we can't forget about we we just we can't forget about uh the civil rights ever uh civil rights era and everything that was done you know by you know the, the, some of the civil rights legends that we that we know of and that we hear of all the time um you know people like Malcolm X, Martin Luther King Jr, Rosa Parks, Mega Evers and the you know list just continues to go you know list obviously goes on with you know the Black Panthers and and um you know uh people like Huey Newton and Bobby Seale and those uh good folks um but one of the things that we 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 don't often talk about and we are very much informed about it most of us anyway or i would say those of us that are truly tuned into hip-hop culture we know the significance of the last poets and right, um, right. you know i've even had a chance stats to to um to buy like this was back in the day man like i remember one day um and this is during you know college years man i was i was uh down in the village and i was yeah. at bleaker street records broke with no money man you know them colleges was hard all i had was a <laughs> was a fucking mountain doing a snicker bar man that's what i was living <laughs> off of every day right but on this day i had like five bucks in my pocket right so <laughs> so so it was either i mean it was either buying a slice of pizza to to go along with that mountain dew and that snicker bar or it was to, it was either buying some comic books which i was really into truth be told or it was spending that five dollars on a, a cd that i had saw in bleaker street records i think it was probably maybe four dollars and change and it was the last poets and i was right. like damn i have been looking for this so i was so adamant about being able to find 
you know, just material by the last poets because I truly understood the connection. And I understood that, you know, when it comes to this thing called rapping, it Uh didn't actually start where we thought it started, but it started before that. So I had I was like you know what I'm just not gonna eat today man I <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna cop this cop this joint and when I got home that night I had a chance to to pop it in my my portable CD player put my headphones on and rock out to it man and the shit absolutely changed my life now I had already been informed about Gil Scott Heron right and the stuff uh-huh. that he was doing but I just I wasn't totally clued into the last poets and. And and then as I conti- as I continued to, to to live with that piece of work, I started to see just the the true connection and the groundwork that these brothers laid through right, their right. just social consciousness, man, and their desire to be able to bring awareness to the plight of black people across this country through this rapping type thing that they were doing man this rapping right. rhythm thing that they was type that they were doing and then um you know what man I, I could go on and on about this stuff all day but you know what let's in, let's just introduce the brother that has <laughs> had us that is has released this hustlers convention a documentary that goes through the history of the last poets and then not just the last poets but uh Jalal, am I saying his name correctly? Am I pronouncing yes. that correctly? Yeah, Jalal, and then um, the song that that or the, the piece that he had, the Hustlers Convention, which truly was a, a street tale about just the antics and the ins and outs of street life. But without further ado, let me just introduce him, Quinnell. Thank you, man, for taking the time out tonight. We thank you for coming to the show. What's up, good brother? Yes, I'm yes. Good. No, thanks a lot. Thanks, you, thanks for you guys. You know. Uh, having me and I, I really appreciate you guys you know taking the time to, to listen absolutely 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 man so so let's just dive right into it man where, where did it start for you uh, they, I, I mean i've had an opportunity to speak with you previously and mm-hmm. we didn't really get a chance to speak at length but how yeah. did you come to this to this hip-hop culture and then we'll get into down the line how that sort of came into you know your passion for the last poets and the and and um, you know this hustlers convention, but how did how were you brought to hip hop? Uh, I grew up hip hop. Uh, I was born in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I'm born in Chicago, Illinois, uh, West Side, K Town. Right. <laughs> give a give a shout out. Yep. So so I I grew up, you know, I guess for like a better term in the hood. You know, what mm-hmm. I mean that's this that's that's where I grew up. Nice. You know, so I've been around rap music all of my life you know I grew up with my brothers rapping I grew up with my my brothers writing down lyrics I'm not a rapper <laughs> right right <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I could definitely tell you I remember way back when my older brother uh, was on stage uh, singing uh, singing a rap song uh, a, a Slick Rick song right uh, it was a Slick Rick song it was a talent show. I can't think. I cannot. It's a fa- I, I cannot think of the name right now. But yeah, yeah. But he was on stage. It was a talent show. I remember this visually. You know, I'm a visual person. Right. So I'm like, and he was on stage, and I remember my father. He like, he like, look, when you go on stage, I'm gonna give you this fake money. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me on this, son. <laughs> As my father would say. Right. Right. 
He had fake, like, $50 bills. Nice. So he was making it rain back. Was he getting ready to make it rain back then? <laughs> he did, of course. Now, so at the end of the Slick Rick song, you know, it was uh, it's a classic one. It was being chased. Uh, Subway, I can't think of the name right now, but Slick Rick song. And my brother, he had, like, the big fat chain. He was, you know, do up. He was straight up looking legit baller, right? Nice, nice. <laughs> so at the end of the song, he throws the money out. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> so all the kids run up, you know, because they thinking it's like real money. You see, all right. the kids run up, and we have a picture, of course, mm-hmm. of him with the money right in the air, and like people going up to it, like right at the end of the balling. <laughs> That's crazy. I grew up hip hop. Okay, yeah. I, I grew up in a in a very much a hip hop household house culture right so you know what i mean right. I, I definitely have a you know affinity towards it you sure, know what i mean sure. so i you know that's that's part of my upbringing definitely sure and it's it's, it's it you you know you bring up a, a a story or part of your life that certainly parallels mine because i too have an older brother and i was introduced to hip-hop by my older brother and um i can remember back in the day um, he was a part, I mean, he wasn't a rapper, but he had some friends, childhood friends that were rappers. And um, I can remember them doing a song and and they put, you know, they put the song on, on cassette tapes and everybody got a copy. And I remember him bringing, bringing it back home one night and we, and we were, you know, he was like, check this out. So, you know, I listened to it and it was the coolest thing that I had ever heard before in my life because <laughs> not, not, it, it wasn't just, it was rap music, but it was my big brother actually on a song. Now, granted, and I can't believe I remember this. This is like probably more than 30 years ago now. But but it was a song called Conceited. And my brother's role, <laughs> my, my brother's role was to chant the chorus. So, so every... I don't know was I don't know if it was every four bars or however many bars. But he was just like, Conceited. That was that was his that was his job on the song. It was a, and and now in retrospect, it was the shittiest song I've ever heard before in my life, right? But it was cool at the time to somebody that was maybe seven years old. You know what I mean? So, um, I just had to bring that up because it's interesting how how our experiences, you know, particularly with this culture that we call hip hop. No matter where we are in this country or where we came up at. You know the the experience parallels one another. You know, so that's yeah. um that's 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 very interesting and that's that's cool. So that's crazy. I know, you know, you you came up in Chicago, um, and during that time in Chicago, I, I'm sure there were a lot of things going on culturally in terms of black empowerment, and then also too, I think about, um, you know, something that that truly uh, resonates with me. Right. With you coming up in Chicago, you're talking about the birthplace of the, you know, five percent nation of gods and earths. Right. Mm-hmm. So how was how was all of those things that were going on just culturally, just with, um, you know, black empowerment and, 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 you know, black awareness and cultural awareness? How did that impact you? For me, it, it, it has always been a, a curious thing, definitely. Okay. Because I've, I've I've grown up in in a pretty open lifestyle, you know. My my parents allowed me to explore a lot of things, right? So 
so yes, I, I did walk around with the African chain. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, I did have my... And plus, my brother uh, was a barber as well. Okay. So, I had, I think, every hairstyle. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and then you had, to, you had to hook up, too, because it was, oh, it was I, I got my hair cut every week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just fly, man. <laughs> so, so, now, I, so, yes... Chicago was a definitely a political storm. You know, this is going back when, like, here in Washington was was a mega force. He was running for mayor, being, like, the first. He was, like, the, the young Barack Obama of Chicago at right. that time. Right. You know, and having that energy around, surrounded that then, obviously, with the music and, and the influx of, like, different hip-hops uh, generation. But then also, I, I also grew up on that gangster hip-hop, that's which right. was like a very strong influence because that's why I grew up. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah, a lot of the gangster hip-hop and this, this level of like, uh, you know, trying, it, it's, it's it's very hard music, you know what I mean, for some, but, you know, I, I like gangster hip-hop because, you know, it, it makes you think about yourself and just like, uh, I'm a, it's like a self- I need to take over the world. I don't give a fuck how I need to do it. I yeah. need to make that money. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, it's uh, it's a, it's a different way of looking at the world. It could be hard. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I agree. You know, gangster hip hop is hard music, but it also almost like the self determination sort mm-hmm. of music too. Yeah, Ab- yeah. absolutely. And, and you know what's what's interesting to me um, about gangster rap music or gangster hip hop is I've always uh, like some of the I mean, and, and, and Stats could, could comment on this, too, and, and offer his own perspective. But for me, a lot of the shit that they spoke about didn't really resonate with me, but I understood the position, right? Like, I understood, you know, the, the lyricist's willingness to be daft enough to be just unapologetic to, mm-hmm. to put out there yeah, what yeah. their lifestyle is and not give a fuck about what anybody else thinks about it. And, 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 and everything that was sort of communicated in those lyrics a lot of it was illegal shit but they just didn't care because it was like you know what this is my lifestyle and you know what most of the time they would put a you know it, it would be it would it was intended to serve as a cautionary tale if you will right it's like exactly. i don't want to do this i would much rather do this but my back it, is against the wall exactly and i have to live yeah. and i gotta i have to survive you know what i you mean know, and, but you know that that sort of message you know it resonates throughout hip-hop it just it comes in various forms you exactly. know hey I, I love tribe called quest right right you know what right. i mean hell i love ice tea mm-hmm. you know what i mean so it is you know i mean that sort of message you know and and that's and that's why i believe that's why hip-hop caught on globally Right. Because it's you know it's almost like the language of the oppressed in some senses. Yeah, you know what I mean, and yes. it comes out in various forms because sometimes the oppressed are in very dire straits. You know what I mean? Sometimes there's no one to turn to but the mirror. You know what I mean? And that sometimes can be tough. Right. Right. You right. know what I mean? There's no family. You know, there's no friends. You know, so you have to have a level of self confidence somewhere. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think. I, I think. Uh. You know. Uh. Back then, though, it was. Uh. 
No, how can you say it was more freedom of, of choice? I mean, everybody had the same, you know, mainstream idea, but you know, you had like the native tongues, you had NWA, you know, you had like you know a large variety of people giving you the same message, but in different ways. Yeah, you know, it's diverse. Yeah, yeah. So you know, and and I think it's happening now a little bit. You know, but um, you know, it 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 it, it scatters. You know, yeah. and uh, you know, and uh, that's why it was. I, really, I would it's, say it's, it's not as it's, it's it's not as thick as as it used to yeah. be. It's a little thinner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little thinner because, like, you know, you had like clicks back in the days where, like, you know, like Native Tongues, like De La Soul, yeah. uh, Tropical Quest, yeah. um, Leaders of the New School. You know what I'm saying? Like, they oh, formed a, a little conglomerate. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know. And, you know, and that's why it was interesting, like, to even, you know, see the, you know, the documentary because, you know, like, I didn't even know about the, uh, what's those guys, the, the Watts Prophets? Yeah, the you Watts. Know? Yeah, I didn't know about that either, man. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, it, and it's, it's a couple of things, like, I learned by watching it, you know. and so it's, it's a couple of things I learned by fucking making it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It has been, you know, and I'm like, damn, this is coming from a guy. You know, who grew up, but I, it was, and but that's why I like working on these sort of projects. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It's a, even for me, you know what I mean? It has been eye opening experience, even yeah. for the director. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even he don't know, he has a, you know, Mike Tarr, who I've been working with for like over a decade now on the Joe Frazier documentary mm. and this documentary as well and others, you know. Mm-hmm. We go into these, you know, to the into these projects, you know, with a very basic idea of how we want to approach it. But you know, we work on these projects for like three years, so things wow. evolve. You know, you learn new things, and, and, and there's a discovery. Discovery happens, right? You know? wow. and, but but it, as we it, as I like to say, there's so much depth and brevity in the black community. It just hasn't been explored mm-hmm. you know what I mean right. and to me and this is one of those subjects you know what I mean it is like you know this is the subject of you know like where did this big global conglomerate how did it we know you know rhythm been around in the black community since slavery time we understand that it's been a right. church but we're talking about this thing called hip hop you right. know we're talking about like a specific thing when do those things click and this album you know, illustrates that in in the hood, once this went underground, this was the source and a lot of inspiration. Mm. You know, and and that's a that's telling. You know what I mean? And and, it, and when I talked to Jalal, you know, only thing he he's so proud of that that he was able to get his work and his art out there. Right. You know what I mean, and inspire right. people. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So uh, it, it it's it's you know what I mean, and that's what it's all about. You know what I mean? Of like, wow, this big thing called hip hop that that yeah have have many forms. It has, you know, conscious, which I love, mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. gangster, which I love. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And but they all try to express this message of, you know, self determination, picking yourself up, and even helping out the community. Right? You know yeah, I mean? that's so right. So it, it's you know, hip hop is a complex. You know, and I, and that's why I get frustrated when people try to box in hip hop. It's it's a complex structure, and it should be that way. Exactly. Yeah, man. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I um I, I have to say um that I was one of those people that you know for for quite some time, 
you know, particularly as I as I, you know, started to get older, I didn't want hip like I, I had my own um, you know, definition of what hip hop music is and what it right. should sound like, right? And then what I realized is is that what I'm doing is I'm wishing for hip hop to stay the way that it was for me at some of the most memorable times, you know, in my life up until mm-hmm. that point, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And, 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 and I mean, really, that's what music is. That's why music resonates with people, and that's why re- music, when it's done properly, is timeless. Like, I was, we had this conversation with EMC, uh, Master Ace, Strickland, and, uh, and Wordsworth just the other night, just last night, as a matter of fact, and we were talking about music when music is done right it's timeless and the reason why it's timeless to people is not necessarily because of, i mean what's being said is important in the music and the, and the um the you know the um the content but if a song can continue to resonate with people over and over again because it speaks directly to a point in time in their life that's what makes music timeless you know right right and right. and and i had to realize like <laughs> Yo, you being selfish with hip hop. You don't own hip hop. Yeah, you know your version yeah, I, of hip hop is going to be your version of hip hop. What you like is yeah. going to be what you like. And then, if you want to listen to 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 Big Daddy Kane, then go buy Big Daddy's Kane Kane's <laughs> album and listen to it. Then you you don't got to expect you know kids that are you know twenty years younger than you to 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 follow suit with this. And then what I what I've started to realize is that hip hop, if if we expect hip hop to 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 stay around and we expect hip-hop to have this longevity then it has to go through change that's it yeah you know what i mean it absolutely has to go through change and it has to be redefined over and over again i think the only problem that i have is is that when people get away from what the intent of hip-hop is you know what i mean the history and the culture right exactly exactly yeah and uh quinn i have um it's a question because there's something else I wanted to you know ask you, Cornell. In 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 the film, man, um, I saw something I've you know I've seen, but I didn't know what it was called, and it was called toasting. Now, now toasting, I I, I didn't know anything about it until I watched it, and I've always heard this, you know. But for some reason, you know, I, I heard the rhyme, you know, and you know, I, you know, I used to watch like Dolomite and uh, things of that nature. And he always had like a theatrical you know, toasting going on. <laughs> right, right, right. right. You know yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was like a big thing, like, you know? So, damn, yeah, so, the motherfucking family. Yeah, yeah, so, you know, and, and that, you know, in that perspective, man, it's like, a lot of people don't really, you know, know what that was called or know what it was, you know, and it was like, you know, early form of expression, you know, like, people like, you know, like Melly Mel and these early, you know, these uh, Curtis Blow and, you know, artists back then, you know, I never knew that this is where they got this from. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, and there's another thing that where people think that, you know, uh, this, you know, hip hop is, you know, you know, something new. You know, it's really not because I heard, um, I don't know if it was, uh, what, if it's, uh, Abu Dunn, I believe is, if I'm saying his name correctly. Abu Dunn. Yeah. 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 I don't know if, uh, if it's him who said it, but, you know, they said like these kids need to learn that, you know, this is not new. You know, everything comes from something else. That's right. You know, so it's like, you know, um, you know, Melly and then Melly Mel even, you know, put a word on it. He's like, he got it from somewhere else and, you know, it's going to keep going. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, I just want to, you know, like I said, man, this is a, a beautiful film, man. And I just want to thank you for, put, you know, for even putting it together. 
and and you said it took three years. So, you know, what I mean, I, so when I watched it, I was like, wow, you know, this is stuff that I that I need to see. Yeah, you know what I mean. I, and uh, thanks, thanks a lot. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and you know what? If I can, I, I want to, I, you know, before we continue into the um, the last poets in this film, I want to mm-hmm. just go back a little bit because I want to. I think it's important to to understand how Quinnell got to this this journey, right? Yeah, yeah you know, to, yeah. And, and how he got up, how he how he got to this point. So, Quinnell, at, at what point? Did you realize that you that that being a documentarian would be your passion and, and something that you that you were interested in? Oh wow! Yeah, uh, just since I was a little kid, yeah. uh, you know, it, when sitting around watching nature documentaries with my father, mm-hmm. uh, like like Nova on PBS. Remember that shit? Nova. I was a, I was a, I was a Huge PBS fan. Yes. Marty, Mar- Mar- Marty Stauffer. Nova. <laughs> like, wild America. Like, like, you know, yo, you yeah, know what's, like, you know what's. I remember, my, I remember looking in and I remember telling myself, or I probably spoke it out loud as well, but I remember this phrase. How do you do that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. what, is, what is going on inside of that? Right. And. But but also what I liked about documentaries is that you know you really get to tell a story about the person, right? You know what I mean. Right. And, and and what I like to do is like to tell it honestly, as, yeah. as you know I try not you know and and tell the truth, good and bad, you know whatever the case may be, you know what I mean. And but but to me I, you know I started yeah, looking at documentaries at a very early age. And then uh, I went to a high school that had a television station in it. So I continued working uh, in the field mm-hmm. as a camera operator and stuff like that. Then uh, went on from there to uh, get my undergraduate degree mm-hmm. in uh, narrative cinematography. Nice. And then wow. I went on to get my master's degree in documentary cinematography from Manchester, England. Wow. And that's, wow. wow. Yeah. And that's where I met... Uh, the director Mike Todd when I lived over in Manchester, England. Man, so so, what was that experience like? So I mean, yeah, you talk man. now. Had you had you ever, leading up to to your graduate studies, had you ever been? I mean, you might have been out of the country, but had you nope. ever been into the U been to the UK before? Nope. <laughs> so so I mean, Didn't visit. <laughs> so 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 you think about a kid that came up in Chicago, right? Yeah. During man, this crazy. during this that the height. Of this, you know, um, brashness that came along with the, um, you know, the the civil rights, mm-hmm. m- civil rights movement. You know what I mean? And 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 people are now empowered with, with their blackness and and they're unapologetic and they're you know basically telling whitey to kiss their ass and you know what I mean? And so in so many different ways. So when you got over there, how was that experience for you? Was it was it a culture shock or, you know, how how'd that go? It was great. Mm. It was a culture shock, but it was more of a culture shock than wow, I'm American. Nice, you know, wow. and and, wow. and and the understanding that wow, different cultures do things differently. Mm. You know, uh, yeah, I may be black, but I'm completely American because that black British guy didn't do what I'm doing. Right, right. You know what I mean, right. And <laughs> the way they do things and the way they, but I, I absolutely loved it. You know. 
you know, I was there last week, you know, promoting the movie, the nice. Hustlers Convention. So, no, I, I really enjoy England. I learned a lot. You know, I met some really, really great people there. Uh, and and during the class, it was an international program, so I was able to work for, with a lot of people from a lot of different countries, so, such as like Ghana, from Malaysia, from Germany, from China to, you know, so I was wow. able to work with a lot of international directors while I was there to gain a different style of working. So now I had a great time, and plus I traveled a lot, <laughs> which is great. You know, what I mean, so I was, you know, able to go and go to like France and and Greece and backpack wow. through Spain and, and you know things of that nature. So, you know, it was a, it was a great experience. Uh, you know, so I was able to shoot a lot of a lot of documentaries mm-hmm. and learn about a lot of different cultures and you know and learn about myself as an American too, as a Black American. Right, you know, wow. and, and looking at my place and you know in the world, that Absol- was great. Absolutely, absolutely. Wow. Was, was there like, uh, you know, and, and I know you know you did a lot, you know, as far as you know accomplishing you know your goals now, but when you when you were a kid, like, was there like a particular film that it's, that inspired you or you know something that you can remember that inspired you the most to you know to do what you're doing now? Not one particular film. You know, because I, I look I, I look at it all because I, yeah. I feel I feel, you know, you you could get value from many things, not just one particular source. You know right, what I mean? Right. So I, I try to I like the you know, I watch that's how I watch T V but even that's how I like to communicate with people too. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I I like to talk to a variety of different types of people with a variety of different types of ideals that may be completely different than mine, but I may learn something. Mm, I mean, right, right. because I may disagree with you, but I also may learn something. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So to me, it, it, it just it just being open to those possibilities, you know, and 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 so that for me, it's not like one like there's like this crowning jewel sort of thing, but more of, a, you know, just a collection of, of different things, you know, because I, I right. you know, I, I read and study a lot of different types of stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, right. You, you know, uh, if I, I just want to jump back to the cultural experience because, you know, I think um, to your point, Quinnell, I think different perspectives truly is it truly is what shapes our individual perspective. And, and to your point, whether whether you um, whether you agree with it or not, I mean that's one thing. But I think you you come away with certainly a different context about you know uh you know whatever the topic might be yeah. that you you know had a discussion on with that person and yeah, I, think, I may not agree with you but i'm listening to your argument <laughs> right right exactly and you know as, as as trivial as this may sound i just want to tie this into food because just really quick because i had the opportunity when i was from the age of 14 to about 17 Every summer, and, and Stats and I are both from Brooklyn, right? But every summer, um, my parents made me leave New York City, Brooklyn, and they sent me upstate New York to work at a camp for the mentally and physically disabled, right? And yeah. th- when I worked at this camp, I mean, m- you know, when I was 14 going up there, I hated it because all I could think about is me being away from the city and away from my friends and wondering what they were doing. But as I got older, I started to appreciate the experience because this particular organization, they sponsored visas 
for people all over the world to come to that camp and work. So I had a chance to within, uh, you know, every summer, I like to say it was it was sort of a um, a passport, if you will, for me to be able to travel around the world without actually having to leave the world. Right. So some very good friends that I made were folks that were from the you know UK and Australia. And, um, you know, some of the, the, the experiences that I had was, you know, through their cuisine. So I always wanted to ask somebody that is from the States that had some time to, you know, go to the UK and spend time. If, if just culinarily, if you had a chance to experience this shit called Marmite, <laughs> and I don't, I don't want to make it, I don't, I'm not trying to trivialize this, but Yo, that shit is so nasty, man. And every time I get a chance to, to, to speak with an English person or even somebody from Australia, they look at me like I'm crazy when I say that Marmite is, is just fucking disgusting. Like, And they spread this shit on their bread. Did, did you ever try that? I don't even know what that is. Oh, man. Man, that's good. That's good that you don't know, man. It, that shit is horrible. Like, it's it's some type of... And no disrespect to the to the UK people and the Australian people, right? Because we, we, we have some really good people. Shout out to I Am Hip Hop Magazine, some great affiliates um, that are based in the UK. Um, you know, I Am Hip Hop Magazine folks, uh, Mickey, Gata, Rishma. Um, but I swear some of the shit, man, it's like... Why would y'all eat this shit, man? Like, <laughs> man, that's it. But I digress. But I just, I, 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 I felt like I just wanted to bring it up because it was, you know, I just, thing. just totally, totally, uh, <laughs> you know, people out there that are listening, it ain't just fish and chips. You know what I mean? It's, it's a lot of other things, shit that you just might not like, you know? So I just wanted to bring it up. But, um, yeah, man. So, so, uh, at what point? So we, you know, we spoke about the, uh, you know, what brought you to to being a documentarian. But, but as I understand, you're also, uh, um, uh, um, what do you call it, a, a videographer too, right? Cinematographer. Cin- cinematographer. So, <laughs> yeah. what, what is the difference between a cinematographer and a video videographer? Well, yeah, a cinematographer, you know. It's more of, I guess, you can take it from more of an artistic standpoint. Sure, okay. You know, uh, you know, they're they're looking at it from a craft. Okay. You know, uh, it's not just a, a gig. Sure. You know, what I mean, it's something that you you have to. It's, it takes time to study. Gotcha. You know, what I mean, uh, you know, you try to study the master painters to try to hopefully emulate them and maybe even surpass them. Right. You know, right. it's not about just documenting the moment. It's about finding the moment and find find the meaning in the moment. Right, right. I mean, so it it, it encompasses mo- a lot of those sort of ideals about you know the work. You know, what I mean, and that's even even when I shoot documentaries. You know, it's not about oh, just make it you know handheld or you know because Mike and I we we do have you know very long extended discussions about style tempo pace mm-hmm. on how we're going to shoot this sure you know because it matters i know it does you know i mean because yeah. a handheld feels differently than a tripod mm-hmm. and we can use those sort of things in certain moments to get you know when we try and say certain things right right you know? gotcha so, you know, what I mean, so that's more of the difference. I'm not just out there shooting. Sure, <laughs> you sure. know, what I mean, 
that even though I'm I've, I've read just like Mike, I'm I'm well abreast on hip hop culture or or the person we're interviewing. You know what I mean? So I'm not just out there just showing up at the day and just hitting the red button. You know what I mean? Right, so right. You know. Gotcha, gotcha. So so um, now I guess you know getting to to I guess the meat of of our discussion with you. How'd you get to to this project? The, you know, with the last poets in this hustlers convention. It was it was uh, this is something Mike Todd and you know he read a book. You know, years ago when he was, you know, in college and, you know, it talked about, you know, Hustlers Convention mm-hmm. and 5 and, and Five Freddy was, you know, talking about Hustlers Convention. He was like, what is this thing? And it just and it just stuck in his head for a while. And then after we did Joe Frazier uh, documentary, then Mike said, well, now I got another idea. You know, uh, how about this Hustlers Convention? You know, and I'm like, uh, what are you talking? I didn't. I didn't know about it. You know what I mean? I had to learn about it, and I'm like, "What? What is this album?" But when when he sent me the album, and I, I you know, listened to the entire album, what immediately brought me back to was my father again, mm-hmm. uh, because my father had this five minute rap that he used to sing around the house all the goddamn time. <laughs> <laughs> And I as a and as a shorty, I was like, man, man, what, man, what, what, what the, you know, it's like, and he used to, yeah, I was coming up, and he, but, the, but the, you know, he was just like five minutes, and he'll sing it. He didn't care. He just did it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> right. So, and that immediately brought me back. I'm like, wait a minute, you mean to tell me my father was doing toast because it was the same beat tempo? Wow. I mean. And I was like, you mean to tell me I was listening to to Toastin and I don't even know about it? You know what I mean? And it was like a weird sort of yeah, yeah. connection. You know what I mean? And I, I like I told, you know, I talked to Mike. I'm like, oh, man, this is wild, man. I'm like, because it soon as I heard the album, it immediately brought, because it was the same exact like tempo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was nearly attached to the documentary at that point. And then me and Mike, we continue working and doing research and, you know, everything of the sort. So, you know, it, it and three years later, now we, we have our documentary. But it, it's, you know, it, it was definitely a worthwhile journey. But also, you know, I grew up as, um, I used to shine shoes for about, you know, two, three years as a kid, too. Okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> so I grew up and, you know, rhythm all around me. Yeah, that's your fine with the, you know, and, and I grew up with, you know, pimp players hoes. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. In, in, the, yeah. in there, getting that now let it get shine. You know what I mean? I wasn't because I was young. I never was able to get. I was able wasn't able to shine the pimp shoes. Right. But I was able to shine his hoe shoes. Nice. And and you know what's what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about a little shorty. Like if I could visualize this, I'm thinking about a little shorty with a shoe shine box at a shoe shine stand, right? And he's and he's and he's he's shining these shoes and he's just hearing all this game just being spit. Like shit, man. Like these are some like this is some like some crazy shit. And if you've never had exposure to, you know, the stuff like that, you're talking about stuff that blows your mind. And I mean, and I, yeah, I grew up with that. Yeah. And and you know what what what's interesting to me is so I'm thinking about the Hustlers, you know, the the project Hustlers Convention, right? The album. 
right? By Jalal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the track list, yo, Stats, check out some of these, uh, and listeners too, check out some of the, the, the track list, the name of the, some of these joints. Sport, Spoon, The Cafe Black Rose, Brother Hominy Grit, <laughs> Copping Some Fronts for the Set, Hammocks Hall Was Big, The Bones Fly from Spoon's Hand, the break was so loud it hushed the crowd and four bitches is what I got. <laughs> like so so right there, what I'm thinking about is a freaking Donald it is the auditory version of a Donald Goins Iceberg Slim novel. Yep. That's yep. what I'm thinking about, man. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Talking about Donald Goins all the time, right? Yeah. 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 So it's 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 interesting. So so was this Jalal's sort of first was this his was this his sort of debut or, or his entrance into this this expression of rhythm and rhyme? Was there anything before this or this hustlers convention was his was his first you know experience and opportunity, if you will? No, it wasn't his first. It was just the one that took off. Okay, you know, and, and but no, he was doing rhythm and rhyme. He you know he he does it all the time. I mean, even when I talk to him now. Mm-hmm. He talks and rhymes. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I cannot, I can't, I can't cut it. And he, he talked. That's how he rose, and we be going back and forth, and you know, because I know, you know, I, I, I could, I, I, I could go with you too. You know what I mean? But he goes. That's how he talks. So it is in him. You know what I mean? So he's been rhyming and poetry for decades. Nice. You know what I mean? But but this is but the hustles convention is as he'd like to put it, it's like one of his greatest art pieces when all his art come together, you know, all the stars align, so to speak, and here we are with this masterpiece. Yeah. Wow. You know you know what's interesting too? What we're talking about here is something that has influenced so many people and I think about I think about Martin, right? Just just follow me for, for a second, right? The show Martin, right? And you remember that character, Jerome, right? The one with the <laughs> fucked up teeth and the, and, and the bad acne. <laughs> right. So so there's an episode that I just saw recently. And um, the episode is when Tommy or, 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 or Martin leaves Cole and Tommy in charge of uh, an anniversary present for Gina. The anniversary present gets stolen. So does Jerome's gold tooth because they happen to all be in Jerome's new club. The club gets robbed. <laughs> so, so the three of them, Jerome, Tommy, and Cole, make their way to you know the, the sort of stash house or the safe house for these these crooks, right? So as they're trying to get in, Jerome says this shit to um to Cole because they're like, "How are we gonna get in?" And they're questioning them. So, so Jerome says, "Shit, what does he say?" He says, "Um." If I told you to, if I told you to hook the sucker up, then I it come it come to me. But it was it was a rhyme, and the shit made absolutely no sense. But every time I listen to it, it's like it's like absolutely funny and crazy because you know Jerome speaks in rhyme, and and and, and stats. It's the same thing with like feedback, right? From the Chronicles yeah, of a Hip Hop Legend, the literary yeah. series, feedback speaks in rhyme. And it's like half the shit that he says makes no sense. But to him, it does. And it's fly. So I say that to say, you know, what what these brothers were doing, particularly in this case, Jalal, what he was doing back then, 
is something that continues to resonate with people even to this day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and it, it's it's definitely and definitely such an important craft. And I think um, with what you're doing with this, um, and I was going to say this earlier, stats. Um, what you're doing with this uh, hustlers convention, Quinnell, to me, if you if you call yourself a true hip hop head, right, and and you have wild style, beat street, crush groove, breaking one and two, and then arguably, let's say, uh, the last dragon, juice, um, and whatever else has come after that, right. Oh, uh, and then also in terms of uh, an actual documentary, uh, Wild Style, I mean, not Wild Style, um, Style Wars, then you definitely should have, you know, this Hustlers Convention documentary in there. And because it truly is a hip hop documentary, if you're talking about the roots of the culture, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, so definitely. So, um, thanks a lot, man. Yeah, thanks no, absolutely. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So, so hustlers convention. So we, I, I think you know, we know what the content is mm-hmm. of, of of this this work. You know, hustlers convention. I'm actually talking about Jalal's hustlers convention that was released back in 1973, right? But what he had come to do with the last poets is a stark contrast, right? So so how did he get to that point where he said, you know, he got with these brothers and he realized, all right. And I'm not. Sh- I shouldn't say he realized because I'm sure he's always been conscious about it. Um, but he said, "I'm going to go ahead and switch from this, you know, this type of content to to doing this now." To so, me, when I, I, you know, I asked him about it, and when you, when he talks about it, he looks at himself as an artist, mm. and an artist likes to experiment in different art forms. Nice. Okay. And 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 but his tool was rap. Mm. Mm. So either he was doing some form of poetry, or he doing rhyme with music. Okay. He he looked at himself purely as an artist, even to this day. I mean, I was literally just talking to Jalal today, and he's talking about I need to get my album done to hustle detention. So he is an artist mm. in the pure sense. Okay. Okay, so 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 the stuff that he was talking about on Hustlers Convention was it was he was he was it just truly a manifestation? Everything on there, a manifestation of what he was experiencing at the time, being you know uh, being because he he's he's from New York, right? Yeah, Brooklyn. Yeah, right from, there. from we walk, we walk, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. In the project. So yeah. yeah, this is basically of his environment. Okay, so and, and trying to tell a tale that you know, to not go down this path. So was he, was he dabbling in that lifestyle? Not, not like as a kingpin, no, nothing, okay. not, nothing like that, but just, you know, like a normal hood kid, you yeah. know what I mean? May, you know what I mean? Do either here and there, but nothing on the, nothing on the heavy, nothing on the heavy. Okay. It's more, it's more of a, this, this is this tale he's trying to tell it. Cause he grew up in the hood. Yeah. He's like, I don't want, Every, you know, I mean, he he want people to get out the hood and to to succeed, and but just using this art form and and in the language that they know, you know, what I mean, yeah. to not do this, to to do go to go towards positive and help the community and stuff like that, because that's what Jalal was about. You know, he was more about positivity. You know, what I mean, Absolutely. so and, and and this this was trying to send a positive message 
just told in the language of just like I'm, I'm gonna speak your language, but don't you know? Because he wrote the last line of the album first. You know, we mm. all know that. You know what okay. I mean now? So, and he wow. really talks about that, and and he and he's true about that. He's like, I wrote that line first. You know. Mm. To, to let everyone know that you know, not go down this path and really tell you a tale of you know what not to do. You know, what I mean, it, it's uh, yeah, it, it, he, he's he's an artist in his pure sense and just really trying to you know tell a good tale about you know what not to do. Nice, nice. Wow. So no, and, and, go ahead, Charles. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, man. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, and it's uh, you know, it, it's it's crazy to see you know that you know he still has the the same energy. You know, and and the same you know feeling as you know to 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 still go you know to still do it, and love hip hop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, it's it's crazy, and it's it's just it's just good to see that the world you know it, it accepts this you know and still takes it in because you know I didn't know so I had the the opportunity of of um, meeting uh, Ivo Dunn maybe ten years ago. Oh, nice. You know, yeah, and um. You know, he came, you know, he came through, he sat down. We were all in the studio. I, I was doing some music at the time. And uh, he had came through and, you know, he had spoke a piece, you know, on uh, somebody else's album. I forget the guy's name. But he told us so many stories, you know, of, you know, of, you know, the time, you know, when, when he was, ex you know, expressing the poetry and doing these things. And he even said that people were actually trying to stop it. Like, it was, you know, a big thing. You know, like, you know, when you're trying to uplift people, you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of folks don't really want that, you know. So, I mean, it's it's good to see, you know, I mean, to this day, you know, that there's, you know, that they're still going strong and still doing that thing like all over the world, you know. Yeah, it's great. Man. It is, you know what I mean? That's why I feel good to be a part of this, this film. You know what I mean? Yeah, this yeah. is why I feel really good to be a part of it because it's. You know, I feel like, like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I feel like I'm a part of something good. Yeah. 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 Definitely, man. Definitely. You know, what's, what's interesting to me, Chaz, also to, to further your point, man, um, you know, you, you get to a point where, and particularly back then, man, where you start, and man, I'm talking about the, the last poets as a collective now, you know, you're you're saying these words and you're you're putting this 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 content out that that has the you know capacity to to change the mindset of a people and as a result of changing the mindset of the people it starts to change the way that they think the way that they perceive things and because of that you know they start to get empowered because of this knowledge of self that they have now and then um that leads to particularly back then, you know, uh, the law enforcement or these damn, you know, COINTEL uh, pro, you know, uh, list that the last poets ended up on. And, and because yeah. of, you know, under, you know, fucking tricky dick at that time, you know what I mean? So it's um it, it's interesting, too. And, and I think it's courageous that these guys and I, I don't really see that that much anymore. Um, and I don't know if that's because, you know, the perception of things has started to change or 
the way that I like to think about it is, is that that type of stuff still does exist, but it just exists on on us on more of a subtle level so that we don't actually see what's going on. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, yeah, man, they, they were definitely courageous, man, because they were putting out this content at a time where, you know, um, you know, like I said, we were just sort of not coming to the end of the civil rights movement, but, you know, people were starting, you know, starting to have this knowledge of self. And then that was leading to, you know, this empowerment. And then as a result, you know, these these uh, agencies, these government bodies started to feel as though that we could potentially have a problem with black people because now they're no longer accepting the bullshit that we've been feeding them all these years. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely... You know, a courageous act on the part of those, uh, you know, of those brothers and those elders and and just straight out those legends. So, um, Quinnell, how did at what point did the did Jalal come together with Abby O'Dunn, uh, Umar, uh, Kenyat, uh, is it uh, Suleiman, Nalaha and, and Abu? And I don't know. You know who were the founding members of the last poets, so to speak. But when did that collective, you know, uh, come to be in existence? I don't, the, the the exact time frame I don't know, mm-hmm. but I, I do remember the story because I asked Jalal, like you know, like how you know how did it come about? And he just like you know, it was them in a small room, poetry speaking, speaking poetry, poetry together. together. You've been tuned into the Chronicles of a Hip Hop Legend radio show, TCO HHL Radio. We appreciate y'all for, you know, tuning in and uh, checking out the interview with, with Brother Quinnell Jones. And, you know, as he as he do- dove into uh, the life of Jalal, a.k.a. Lightning Rod, um, and then uh, yeah. his journey with the last poets, man, it, it, it was definitely... Um, a dope interview and unfortunately yeah, right. because of the constraints of time we actually have to stop it now if everybody um if you listen to if you listen to tcohhl radio every week you know that we're coming to the end of the show but you also know that um our archives show up on uh mixcloud.com front slash tcohhl underscore radio so this interview actually with quinnell um goes for roughly I think maybe another 30 or 40 minutes. It was, it was a full interview. Um, and, uh, we certainly don't want to jip you at that time, but obviously because of the time constraint, we gotta, we gotta shut it down now. But, um, by the weekend, you can go to mixcloud.com front slash TCOHHL underscore radio and get the entire interview and listen to the, uh, to the full interview. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. It was a, it was a good show, man. You know, and, uh, Shout out to you know Cornell Jones, man. That's a the Houses Convention, man. It's a good film, you know. And uh, you know when it does come out, you know I said you know I suggest everybody take a look, you know. Yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt, man. Um, yo, just real quick, man. I wanted to to say, um, and we might freaking end up going over anyway, but fuck it, yo. Um, <laughs> have you have you had a chance to see Dope? Nah, I never saw that. That's another documentary. Nah, nah, nah. Dope is the movie that's out right now about those teens in uh, in California, growing up in California. 
Oh, no, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. Yeah, the shit is dope, yo. It's definitely dope. And I'm going to be honest with you, man. Going into it, mm-hmm. I had I had some concerns, mm-hmm. right? But, um, you know, the wife and I went to see it on Saturday, man, and the shit was thoroughly entertaining, yo. And yeah. the way oh, that... Is that the movie with ASAP Rocky? Yeah, ASAP Rocky is in it. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I heard that movie was good. Yeah, yeah. Good, good movie, man. I recommend everybody... Um, goes and uh, supports it and checks it out, man. And and what I'd like to do, just really quick, I had writ uh, written a, um, you know, generally when things move me because I'm inspired by the way they were put together, I like to go ahead and put, you know, sort of brief synopsises together, um, just explaining my perception of the movie and what I got from it. And for okay. dope, what I got was. Um, and I've already put it out there on our fan page, but what I what I came up with or what I was moved to say is dope is an awesome and concise depiction of the millennial generation's life experiences through the lens of inner city culture set against the backdrop of hip hop's golden era in all its glory. Mm. Um, I definitely, definitely recommend um, people go and check it out. Um the second part to that was thematically it offers a quasi innocent and victorious coming of age tale that far too often goes unexplored by cinematic portrayal. This is a TCOHHL classic and comes highly recommended as an addition to your hip hop film library. So I definitely recommend people to go and check that out, man. Like I said, it, it, it's a, it's a really dope. Well, I mean, you know, dope, but it, I mean, it, it it really is a good good um, film that's put together well. It's uh it's comedic, um, but it also has great purpose and intent, man. So I definitely recommend everybody checking that out, man. All right, no question, man. I'm gonna check it out myself too because I didn't even see it yet, man. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So Stats, you got anything to say in closing, man? Yeah, man. I just want to, you know, tell everybody thanks for listening, man. You know, it's another n- another Wednesday, eight to ten. You know, I'll see y'all next week. You know, it always feels good, man, to be on here, man. I, o- I always look forward to Wednesday, y'all. So I hope y'all look forward to listening. You know, you know, no doubt. And next week, if things go according to plan, we actually gonna have another dope show. Um, That's right. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want us to say too much about it yet. Uh, but if things go according to plan, man, it's, it's definitely going to be another historical show that deals with culture uh, as it relates to, you know, sort of these uh, subsets of you will or subcultures, if you will, of of hip hop culture. Um, so definitely come back and check it out. And as always, you know, we ain't going to bullshit with, you know, with the with the music. We you know, we always like to put together a nice playlist. I like to think today that the playlist uh, reflected, you know, the overall tone of the show, given that we were speaking about Lightning Rod, Hustlers Convention, Jalal, The Last Poets. Um, so, yeah, you know, come back next week and uh, and uh, we'll we'll do it again. That's right, man. Word. So, you know, the you know, the drill word is born, born is life. Identify your dreams and goals and pursue them with resolve and conviction. Status course and everything else will eventually, eventually, eventually eventually, eventually, eventually fall into place. Stay passionate, people. 100. Peace. Say goodnight to everybody. Goodnight, moon. Who's saying it?
Good night, Moon. Here we go. Good night, stars. Good night, stars. Good night, things. Good night, things. Good night, hoppers. Good night, hoppers. Good night, hustlers. Good night, hustlers. Good night, scammers. Good night, scammers. Good night to everybody. Good night to everybody. Good night to one and all. Good night to one and all.